All right. So we have some good news today that I want to proclaim to you. It's the good news of Advent. It's the good news of God coming to, to us in Christ. And let me proclaim this to you. All right. We've got it on the screen. I think it'll come. All right. In Jesus, the light of God's kingdom has called us out of the darkness and calls us into a life of joy and peace and freedom and justice. I want you to hear this, that the light will win, the darkness will die, and you are free to walk in the light. That is good news of Advent. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is good news proclaimed into a very dark world. We experience a lot of darkness. I think we can all speak to the darkness that we have experienced, that we see others experience, that we look on the news we see worldwide, nationwide, we see the pain, we see the struggle. We see it and experience it in our own experiences. We see it in the fr our friends' lives. We see it in our neighborhood and our neighbors' lives. Um, and the darkness can seem strong, and the darkness can seem all-consuming. And the lie that we're tempted to believe is that the darkness is winning. The lie that we can be tempted to believe is that the darkness is overcoming the world rather than retreating from it. And if we go just off of our experience and just off of what we see on the news, we're tempted to believe that lie. And it, but it is real. We don't want to ignore the darkness because we see it all around us, right? Uh, this Earlier this uh, last week, uh, I'll be honest, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I'll get my dates right. Uh, a woman came to our door that we had met um, about four or five months ago as our missional community had kind of a barbecue out on our driveway, front porch. And this woman, um, it's just, you can see the, the pain, the painful experiences in her eyes. She's hurting from the inside out. She's hurting physically and emotionally. She's hurting spiritually. She's hurting relationally. She's experienced a lot of things. Some of the women in our group had the opportunity to pray for her that very night, and it was really, um, it was really special. But she came back a few uh, weeks or a couple months later to our door, and um, I was actually holding little baby Xander when I opened the door, and when she looked at him, she started just crying, crying, crying. I said, what's, what's wrong? I said, that little boy reminds me of my little boy. I said, well, tell me about your little boy. He's, he's, she's, he's two, and he's, he's going to be adopted by his foster parents in December. And she's just crying and crying. And she said, I just couldn't get it together. I couldn't do it. And uh, she was hurting so bad. And it was not for lack of love that she was separated from her child. It was not for lack of love. She came back um, a couple weeks after that with um, her face kind of swollen up. And she had woken up to someone punching her and stole her stuff. And uh, so I took her to the ER and while she's in the hospital, she comes down with a UTI. She's a woman that lives on the street primarily, struggling. The darkness seems strong in her life. 
The darkness is real. And it's a combination. Let's talk about the anatomy of darkness a little bit. Let's talk about what composes this horrible web, right? It's a combination of, of the root is sin. The root is what we call sin. It's, it's sin is going just against the, the way of God, going against the way of God's kingdom. God has designed the world to operate according to love, according to life and light. And when we go against the grain of God's love, there's splinters, there's pain, and there's many ways to go against the grain of God's love, right? Systems are full of sin. We call it systemic sin. This is, this is sin, sin that is greater than the sum of its parts. It's greater than the individuals involved. There's systems, judicial system, justice system, uh, the child protective service system, um, the system, all the systems, governments we're talking about here, systems that, that have sin as a very interwoven, as a very part of how they work, operate, and live. And it impacts the world, and it creates darkness. So that's one strand of the web of darkness that starts to wrap around our lives. But then you have the sin that is committed against us, right? The sins committed against us. The sins that have been committed against us that, that cause us pain, trauma, isolation. We're talking about abuse. We're talking about neglect. We're talking about emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. We're talking about the betrayal that we've experienced in our life. And these, the sins committed against us, cause a shadow of darkness to come over our life. They threaten to define us. They threaten to... Uh, send our lives on a certain course, a certain trajectory. And then, the third component is the sins we ourselves commit. The sins that we, we contribute to the darkness. Not only are we entangled by the systems and by the people around us that have done us harm, but we actually inflict harm. We're not only victims, we, we become victimizers. We contribute to the darkness. We all have sin in our lives, and when our sin cooperates with the systemic sin and cooperates and, and piles upon the sins that have been committed against us, we have a web of sin, a cloak of darkness that is suffocating. And that's what we are all Experiencing, And that's what um, this woman that comes to my door is experiencing. She's experiencing all three levels of this. And this is what we all are experiencing. And it is dark. And this is the very kind of darkness that the light of Jesus is capable of penetrating. And that's the good news. That's the good news because the darkness is dark. It's pitch black. The web... Is, is suffocating. But Christ is stronger. Christ is brighter. The good news that into this world, into this world, Jesus, the light of God's kingdom, calls us out of the darkness and calls us into a life of joy and freedom and justice and peace. The good news is that the darkness will die and the light will win and we are free to walk in the light. So our text is Isaiah 9, 2, uh, which we read at the beginning. We kind of meditated on. And let's, let me just frame this a little bit. What is Isaiah? He's a prophet and he prophesies 
kind of in the context of the Babylonian exile. The Jewish people, Israel, the God's chosen people, are in exile underneath the Babylonian empire. And the Babylonians are brutal people. And they are under the oppressive regime and empire of the Babylonians. They've been taken from their homeland and taken into Babylonian captivity. And they're living strangers in a strange land, in a pagan land that does not worship their God, does not respect their beliefs, and um, they are oppressed. Things are bad. Um, there's, there's this horrible, some of the Psalms depict what the Babylonians did to Israel. And it's like rated our stuff, all right? It's dark stuff. It's the stuff that we know and experience in our world today. And into this context, into this darkness, um, in which they're experiencing all three levels of sin, right? There's a system, the governmental system of empire that is oppressing and has Israel in bondage. They are also experiencing the abuse and the neglect and the prejudice and the discrimination of Babylon as Israel. So they're experiencing the sins that are inflicted upon them. But they are also there, we know, for their own sins. They For their own sins, they are in exile. And because they have refused the way of God, they have been brought into captivity. So they are living this web of darkness. And into this darkness, right... God speaks this. Verse 2, the people, imagine hearing this, living in captivity. If you can imagine this, living in darkness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. This is a change in status, a dramatic change in status. From darkness to light, from hopelessness to hope, from sorrow to joy, right? Who likes camping? Who likes to camp? Raise your hands. Really? All right, this is heresy, but I hate camping, all right? I'm sorry, and part of it is because I don't have the right equipment, I don't think. I don't have the right equipment. I'm always cold. I can never sleep. I'm always sleeping on a rock. I'm always hungry. I just, I hate camping. And I've just decided, like, I look at magazines, right? I look like an REI magazine or something, or like a magazine, and people are on their, like, North Face equipment, and they're, like, happy eating out of a canteen or something. I'm like, man, I want to be that guy. Like, I want to be that guy. Like, I want to walk around in Birkenstocks and have my, you know, and just, just be able to climb a rock and just have a smile on my face. But every time I go out there, I'm like, I'm not that guy. I hate this. I hate this guy. And so, some of the dark, uh, I don't want to trivialize this, but some of the, like, the worst nights in my life, in terms of, like, duration, and, like, when is this going to end, have been in a tent outside. Because usually there's no cell phone service, so I don't have a clue what time it is, because I also don't have a watch. And so I don't know what time it is. I'm uncomfortable, I'm cold, I'm sleeping on a rock, I'm downhill because I don't know how to set the tent, you know? I know I would enjoy it if I knew better, but I don't. And so I hate it, and I don't want to learn anymore. So, I'm in the dark, in the cold, sleeping on a rock with my head down, with all the blood rushing in my head, and I'm like, when is this night going to end? And I'm kind of drifting in and out of sleep. Oh. I'm like, wow, this is taking forever. 
And there, so it's just the worst. And you're hearing animals, and you're like, whoa, I'm going to die. What is between me and the bear that is out there? And I'm scared, I'm cold, I'm hungry, all that. There's not a more beautiful sound than the first bird that chirps in the morning. Because I'm like, yes, the sun is coming. And you see that little dawn, you know, that like glimmer, glimmer, that light. It's like the morning light. It's called dawn. It's my favorite in camping. And I just, that's when I get out of my tent. I'm like, okay, morning time. And I just unzip it and I'm like, out. And I'm like, yes. Morning has come. The dawn has shone, right? Now, there's no better feeling for me camping than, you know, when it's over. And so, the light has come. Now, to make a connection on a more serious level, a lot of our lives at different levels are lived in the darkness of the tent. And we don't have, we're disoriented. We don't know when this is going to end. We don't have a reference point for time, right? We don't know when this pain is going to be over, when this discomfort is going to be done, when um, this trauma is going to stop impacting us in the way, when this injustice is going to stop persisting, right? We're in the night, the dark, the cold, the discomfort, the isolation, the loneliness, the fear, right? And we feel vulnerable. And this night seems to go on and on and on. And the proclamation of the gospel is that the light has dawned. The morning has come. There's hope, joy, peace, freedom, justice is on the move. And you can get out of the tent. There is a way out. There will be a way out. So I want to look at the effects of this light. We see the light has dawned in the darkness. That's verse 2. The effects of the light, verses 3 through 5. Look at this. Verse 3 says, You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. This is an agricultural metaphor, right? You work hard. Um, you labor, you plant the seeds, you water the seeds, you pray that the weather is decent, and then it's time to harvest, right? It's time to harvest, and everyone works together, and there's this big party as you gather the spoil, as you gather it in. There's joy and there's rejoicing. All the labor has borne fruit, and now we can provide for our families. Now we can eat, and so there's great joy. So one of the effects of the light is joy, The light of God's kingdom, the light of Jesus that is shining in the darkness, in effect, is great joy. Great joy. The second one, verse 4. Verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. What's it speaking of? What's it sound like? Sounds like freedom. The rod, the staff of the oppressor. If you want to put it in modern day terms, the the handcuffs have been unlocked. The jail doors have been swung open. The back of the police car is unlocked. Get out. You're free. There's freedom. There's freedom because of the light of Jesus. That is the effect of the light. Freedom. And this is powerful for the Israelites suffering under Babylonian 
oppression, right? And then verse 5, this, the next effect. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned in fuel for the fire. What's that speak to? Give me a, give me a guess. Was that what I hear? Justice. Justice? I heard peace too. Peace? Justice is coming. Justice is coming. Peace, salvation, all good words. Yeah, I think this speaks to us of peace, right? You have this imagery of, of soldiers' boots muddied and bloodied from battle. Blood splattered on their garments, rolled up in blood. These are no more. They are burned up. Peace, not war. Peace, not hostility. Peace is the effect of the light of the kingdom of God piercing the darkness. So you have joy, you have freedom. You have peace. And then skip to verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with what? Justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He will establish his government, his kingdom will be full of justice and righteousness. And these are, two, these are two words that are always, usually, not always, paired together in the Old Testament. Justice and righteousness. And they're two different words, right? The term for justice, which they both kind of are in the justice family. The term for justice is the term for making wrong things right. For executing justice. When something wrong has been done, we're going to hold accountable those who have committed the injustice. And that term also uh, denotes caring for the victims of injustice. So we're going to hold accountable the perpetrators of injustice, and we are going to care for the sufferers or the victims of injustice. That is that word justice. Justice and righteousness. Righteousness has to do with the interpersonal relationships that if they were lived out in, according to God's way, justice would be unnecessary. Righteousness means right relationship. If I am in right relationship with you, if I'm in right relationship with uh, women, if I'm in right relationship with my black, brown, red, yellow, white, black, you know, all the colors of the rainbow people, if I'm in righteous relationships, if I'm executing righteousness, justice is unnecessary. Does that make sense? No, it's okay. I like that. How I act with one another, if we act according to righteousness, justice will prevail, right? And justice, injustice will not happen. So our life is about living in right relationship with others. That's what righteousness means. We often think of it as an internal, individual, spiritual piety. Like if I'm righteous, I'm doing my devotions, which is good. I'm like thinking clean thoughts, which is good. But this really has a lot to do with those things translating into being in right relationship with brothers and sisters in the world. All right, so those are the effects of the light. That's pretty good light, right? The light shines on this darkness. Joy, freedom, peace, and justice are the effects. So what's the source of this light? Because you don't want to confuse the source with the effects. The effects of light is that, like photosynthesis, right? Things grow. But don't confuse the plant with the sun, all right? So what's the effects 
of the light. What's the, what's the source of the effects of the light? Let's look. Verse what? Six. The source of the light is Jesus. Jesus, who came as a child. This is beautiful. This is actually also probably discouraging. If you're living in darkness and you're like needing a lot of hope and you're hoping that someone's going to come and rescue you, and it says, For unto us a child is born. A baby, an infant, is the hope of the world. A baby, a child, is the one that brings joy, freedom, peace, and justice. Yes, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The source of the light is Jesus. And the source is a wonderful counselor. The source of all wisdom. Do we need wisdom in the darkness? He's the source of all wisdom. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. And God will give wisdom. He's the source of all wisdom. The wonderful counselor, mighty God. Are any of you strong enough to overthrow the sin in your life, much less the systemic sin that we see all over our world? Yeah. You're strong enough? More power to you, bro. We're not. We need a mighty God. So much fatigue and burnout in the pursuit of justice, in the pursuit of care for other people, in the pursuit of our own families. So much of that burnout is this not recognizing that the source of restoration, the source of justice, and the source of freedom and joy and peace is not us, but the mighty God who is able and more powerful to bring about these things than we are. Everlasting Father. How many of us long for a father's love, for the provision of a father? This is symbolic of this parental love, this provision, this never living, ending, never stopping, never breaking love of God, of a father who protects, who provides, who guides. He's an everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's not a warlord. He's a prince of peace. And he will bring peace cosmically, nationally, internationally, interrelationally, interpersonally. He is the one who brings peace. He's the source of our peace. All right, so seven and eight speaks to hope. And then we're going to be done shortly after that. Look, here's the deal. You've heard this. There's a, a title of the book that was somewhat controversial, but the title was true. Love wins. Can we say this? Love wins. The light wins. Love will win. That is the guarantee. That's the only guarantee. We don't know how it all pans out, but we know that in the end, Jesus comes and makes all things new. We know that Jesus comes and makes all wrong things right. We know that Jesus comes and he reverses the curse of sin and death and darkness. 
the light comes. Right? And so I just want you to look at this last verse. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I like that. The zeal of the Lord will do this. What is God passionate about? He's passionate about the things we just talked about. Joy, freedom, peace, and justice. This is what gets, if for lack of a better term, gets God up in the morning, all right? He's up. He's always up. He's never sleeping. But this is what drives him. This is his passion. This is what he's all about. He's not sin-obsessed. He's life-obsessed. He's obsessed with joy, peace, freedom, and justice. This is what he's bringing about. He's bringing about light. He is zealous for this. He's passionate for it. It's his agenda. It's what he's about. It's what he's been about since the fall, since Adam and Eve, that fateful day. He's been about bringing about peace, joy, justice, and freedom for humanity. So many, I just want to pause here and just say again, that many people and many even of us in this room are striving. We are very passionate about these things. We're passionate about freedom. We're passionate that people experience joy, even joy of the Lord. We're passionate for justice. We're passionate for peace. And we, so we're very passionate about that. But are we, here's the question, are we striving for the effects of the light rather than pursuing the source of the light? Does that make sense? There's a lot of people in the world, you can be of any kind of, um, religion or, or non-religion and want joy, freedom, justice, and peace and even dedicate your life to it. But the pursuit of the effects apart from the source will end in exhaustion and will actually be counterproductive. The pursuit of peace apart from Christ I think just ends up eventually with more war and more hostility. The pursuit of joy without Jesus becomes weariness and, and just a, a facade of happiness, a Pollyanna kind of attitude, right? Positive thinking without that inner source of hope. So, Jesus is the source, and the source came as a baby in a manger. That's what we celebrate this season. In Jesus, the light of God's kingdom calls us out of darkness into joy, into a life of joy, peace, freedom, and justice. The light will win, the darkness will die, and we are free to live in the light, to walk in the light. There's a, anyone ever seen Wonder Woman? I'm going to end with Wonder Woman, all right? I thought it was awesome, very well done. Um, and there's a lot of... Uh, Parallels with Christ, I thought. A lot, even tons of them. I, I could spend. I'll do a sermon on it someday. But here's where I want to end real quick. At the as plot plot spoiler alert, you know the good guys usually win in these movies. So, <clears throat> what I love about Wonder Woman, first of all, is that there's this World War One happening, and it's all this strife and warfare and world war. Right? It's horrible. People are dying all over the place. And everyone else is seeking the effects. They're seeking to, to rid the world of war, to seek peace, and they're doing it by fight on, on, the, on the human level, right? They're getting more guns, getting better strategy, 
But Wonder Woman kind of understands that it's a spiritual problem, all right? She thinks Ares, the god of war, is the problem. And she's convinced that he exists. And no one else is convinced that he exists. But she's convinced that Ares exists. And Ares, his influence, his warlike influence, is, is kind of permeating the world and causing all this strife and hostility. So she's going after the source. And eventually, she meets Ares, and she defeats Ares, and it's this intense battle, right? The clash of the gods. But when he is defeated, the World War I is like happening, right? Down below. And when he's defeated, when he falls, it's like a cloud lifts. And this haze kind of comes up off of the men and women fighting. And you've got soldiers, you know, with guns and knives about to just like attack each other, and they kind of wake up, and they drop their guns. They drop their knives. They get up, and they like embrace. What are we doing? Why was I punching you in the face? What is this about? Because that, that, the influence of Ares was destroyed. This is how I see the dawn of the light. As the light shines in the darkness, the darkness will not overcome it, it says in John. The darkness will lift up. We are, as we live under the cloud of darkness, we operate according to the darkness. But the hope and the kingdom of God says the light has dawned. Start living according to the light. Start living through the strength of the source, Jesus, according to joy and peace and freedom and justice. Pursue Jesus and you will get joy, freedom, peace and justice. So, there's two responses whenever there's been a proclamation a response is required. We can respond to the light who has come by either walking into the light or shrinking back from it. We can walk into the light or we can shrink back from it. You would think that we would walk right into this kind of light, but it's actually a little more tricky than we think. Because why aren't we always such big fans of walking out of darkness into light? Because we are participants in the dark to some level. Sometimes we have a vested interest in the darkness. Right? And so it can be uncomfortable because it can expose the darkness in us as we walk in the light. So we, for instance... Um, we might really have a problem um, and want sex trafficking to be done and over with, but addicted to pornography, which feeds sex trafficking in the whole sex industry. So we can shrink back from the light, because walking in the light would mean getting rid of that walking in the light we can be about labor laws and justice for uh, good wages for people. We don't, we, no one would say, hey, I'm for child slavery, right? But yet we purchase clothes indiscriminately for the best deal, right? And so we participate as participants in the dark. And so it's hard to walk in the light because it can start to expose and challenge the way that we're living. There's other examples you might think of. My question for us is, um, number one, what is your experience with darkness in the season of your life? 
Maybe something's happening to you that is just super dark and you're, you're crippled by fear, by hopelessness. You just feel like you can't get out of it, can't get over it. Or maybe it's something that you're participating in. Maybe it's a, a, a sin that you're just clinging to. You're not willing to drag it into the light. So how are you participating in darkness? And what does it look like you, for you to answer the call of Jesus? Because this is what the gospel is. It's a call of Jesus to walk in his way, to walk in the light, come out of the darkness and into the light of joy, peace, freedom, and justice. What does it look like for you to step into the light of Jesus, into the way of Jesus? And maybe a way to think of this as we, we're going to sing our last song is to think about it in this way. Um, which of the names of Jesus to look at it, maybe Seth, you could bring that up, verse uh, 6, verse 6. Which of the names of Jesus, this is the source of the light, right? So if you're going to come out of the darkness, which aspect of the light do you need to walk towards? Do you need to come to Jesus as your wise counselor? Are you seeking wisdom everywhere else but in Jesus? Do you need him to be your everlasting father, right? Are you, are you struggling with provision, with feeling worth and dignity and the protection of a father? Is that what you need? Do you need the prince of peace in your life and your relationships? Do you need justice? Where, what aspect of the light do you need to walk in and toward? So what we're going to do. Um, I want to just give you a moment of silence to think about that. The verse and the titles are up here. What area, what aspect of the light do you need to walk out of the darkness and toward? As we, we're going to sing this last song, Joy to the World. And at the end of the song, we're going to have an opportunity to respond together and to proclaim what aspect of the light we're walking towards. All right? So I want you to lock that in your mind. Is it wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace? Which one of those was it? And we're going to proclaim together. And even I would challenge you as uh, we sing this song to think. The joy of the Lord has come. The joy of the world has come. Um, how does that bring you joy? Would you stand and let's sing together? I love that. Let every heart prepare him room. So, to contextualize that for us, what aspect of God's light needs to be shining into your heart? Do you need the light of Jesus' wisdom as wonderful counselor to shine in your heart? Do you need Christ's peace to shine in your heart? One thing I said, we want world peace, but we're not willing to forgive our wife or our friend for the thing that they did to us, right? So that's the aspect of darkness that lives. So we need the Prince of Peace to shine 
in our hearts? Do you need the mighty God to shine in your heart that you realize that it is He who brings peace to the world and not me, myself? It is He who will have uh, His way in my life. I can't strive to make it happen. What aspect is it? So we're going to, um, we got a slide here, get this together. I want you to lock it in. What is it? Wonderful counselor? Mighty God, it's going to be towards the end. Like, not the verse, but a proclamation thing. You'll see it. There it is. All right. We are going to say this together. It's a rehearsal of the good news that we just heard, but we're going to make it personal here. So this is where you're going to insert loudly and proudly. Don't hold back. Loudly and proudly what it is. Is it my wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace? What aspect of God's light do you need to run towards to seek him as a source of? You got a lockdown? You ready to speak it? All right, here it comes. Let's say it together. We have dwelt in the land of deep darkness, but on us has the light of Jesus shined. Therefore, we are free to walk in the light. We are free to live lives of joy, freedom, peace, and justice with Jesus. The light will win and the darkness die. I will walk in the light. I will seek Jesus, my mighty God. Amen. All right. Let's pray for our food. Lord, we thank you for the food that you're bringing to us, Lord, that we've all been a part of making and we share with one another as we pick up our plates and we put down our divisions, Lord. And I pray that you would bring to mind anyone uh, with whom we have, we've had a a grudge or, or we fought with and we haven't forgiven or we need to ask someone for forgiveness, bring that to mind and may we be obedient in the light of Jesus to make that right before we come to your table in just a moment. Uh, so we thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for the community that it builds. And we uh, enjoy your presence as we eat together now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.